and welcome to the Behind the Dunes podcast with a very special episode today with a very special guest, Tom Doyle of the Loman team. Hello. How are you doing today? Just great. Thanks for uh, doing this, um, guys, and uh, look forward to our conversation. Yeah. Welcome, Short Tom. plug, uh, we're at our Moss Creek office again, two in a row. Well, yeah. actually, it won't be out in a row. Two recently, yeah. Yeah, two, two recently. Um, here again with my co-host, John. John. How's it going? Very good. Happy to be back. Knocking a lot of these out. Yeah. Yep. So it's kind of hot today. Yeah, it's very warm. Yeah. It's a little warm in here, too. <laughs> yeah, particularly in the back of the in office. The, yeah, we're having a little AC issue currently. So getting that fixed up. Jessica. <laughs> Fix it. Um, but, Tom, you work out of this office, too, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, spending um, any floor time uh, down here at uh, Boss Creek uh, office. So, yeah, it's uh, working out good, except for certain traffic days, you know, mm-hmm. 278. Oh, so, yeah. uh, <laughs> you got to learn the yeah. different routes to yeah. get here whenever there's, <laughs> the not, traffic there's no remote solutions for traffic. No, yeah. it's not. I sat at the light for like 10 minutes this morning because everybody was going straight mm-hmm. and nobody would let me get take, over, take the turn, like to get into the turn lane. Uh, like there was gaps between cars and just nobody would move forward. Mm-hmm. I just sat there. Sat there. I was very sad. You sat. What do you mean you sat? You just stopped on 278? No, like, because there was traffic. Yeah. Right? You know, the traffic just, like, moves slowly. So I was just, like, slowly there just waiting to get over for uh, 10 minutes. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I came in here and shot a house. Really nice house. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Off on a tangent. Yeah. Good. Well, Tom, thanks for coming in. Uh, we're going to hit a few topics today. Um We'll kind of start off first, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, okay. maybe what got you into real estate, and uh, kind of how things are going. Okay, great. Well, it's been a, uh, it's been a uh, long, uh, long journey. Um, I'm a licensed broker in three states, um, Massachusetts, New York, and uh, South Carolina. And uh, before that, I had a uh, pretty long career in um, Wall Street financial uh, business, and in the um, uh, mid to late nineties, uh, my partner and I couldn't agree sort of on the next ten years. And after being together for eighteen years, and uh, so I took my uh, shekels out of the operation, so to speak, and uh, I went up to Western Massachusetts, bought a couple of big parcels of land, and I built a couple of houses, mm. and. Um, that was sort of a good era then leading up to the early 2000s. So um, I was kind of an early remote worker doing Wall Street stuff, even on dial-up, mm. because uh, the software was made for dial-up originally. But uh, after the um, great financial recession started in 2008, 2009, that business sort of went into a half-life existence. And concurrently, I had gotten... Uh, received my real estate license first in Massachusetts, then in New York, and and more recently uh, down here in South South Carolina. So I started to get into some development business, mm-hmm. um, more on the apartment mixed use side, which is still in process in, in Massachusetts. And uh, but I've done commercial and residential in both New York and uh, you know in Massachusetts and. So far, commercial here in mm-hmm. South Carolina. How long were you on Wall Street? 
Uh, 40 and three quarter years. Wow. Yep. I assume you liked it to do it that long. Yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, it was probably the, you know, you know how they say the, uh, the, the greatest generation of World War II uh, years and, and the people that came back after serving our country. Well, the, the, the years from like 19, there was an early recession in 1970 and uh, but the market sort of hit a low in 1982 and basically from 1982 till you know just recently it's it's basically just been up i mean there's been a couple of 1987 mm-hmm. we had a big sell off ni- early 90s we had an international currency crisis we had a sell off um, and then the famous most memorable 2008 um, decline com bust along the way so they were really, really great years. Now, um, technology, and I'm very pro-technology, mm-hmm. very pro-technology. There were a lot of people on Wall Street that fought technology hmm. uh, coming into the business. Not me, but um, there's a lot of automated processes now. And um, I'd say the, the, the people that are doing well on Wall Street are now the compliance staff because they're getting paid the most to make sure People don't do goofy things. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so it's it's interesting how that how that turned around. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. some of the creativity's gone out of the business. Being able to you know branch out, do things. So everything's mm-hmm. got to get overregulated after we go through these various phases. Yeah. Off topic. What do you think about GameStop? GameStop. Uh, no opinion. You know. <laughs> I figured finally I could ask somebody that question. <laughs> <laughs> it's been dying to. <laughs> yeah, no, no opinion. A speculative uh, company from uh, kept, uh, a speculative investment from from my distant observations. So, yeah. Fair. Yep. But uh, no, I mean it was great, and then Wall Street. There's some. It's interesting. Some traits transfer well from Wall Street to real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to be independent. You're going to survive. Uh, you know, you got to anticipate. Uh, you have to be detailed. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of uh, things that, that transfer over. You know, because uh, real estate real estate agency is not for everybody, and a lot of people come and go in Wall Street. Too. Yeah, same type. Yep, business model almost there. Yeah. Yeah. And so you lived in both New York and Massachusetts? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I was born in Queens, um, raised on Long Island. Um, my parents were immigrants. They met in New York City at a dance, raised uh, four or five. One, one child had a crib death, but four surviving kids, and they moved uh, to Ireland. Mm. They went back to the old country. Really? Yeah. Rare breed. Yeah. Know. Most come one direction. Never to return. Mom and dad went back. That was 1975. So God bless them. Yeah, yeah. yeah they did. All the children them. stayed here. Though? Uh, yes. Eventually, one child actually was sent to secondary school in Ireland, and then he ended up in the United States Air Force, and he ended up back in the U.S. Yeah. yeah. That. So um, yeah, no, it was uh, they, were, they were great years. Yeah, great yeah. years, and then. I went up to Massachusetts. I um, uh, 
college in Boston, Boston University, and one of my uh, roommates, uh, classmates, said he was going to visit his parents one weekend. And I said, well, where are you going? He said, well, my parents live in Western Massachusetts. Now, me being a naive, young New Yorker, I said, well, yeah, I know where Boston is. Like, where's Western Massachusetts? And, in fact, it's up against the New York State border. And uh, he said, well, they live in a town called Stockbridge, which is a famous Norman Rockwell uh, village. And, uh, you know, I said, where's that to both questions? Like, where's, where's Western Massachusetts and where's Stockbridge? And I went out there, and it's a beautiful rural area. And it's convenient. It's two hours to Boston, two and a half hours to New York City. And had a blast. And uh, so I got infected by the area, and... I said, someday, when I have the capacity, I'm, I'm going to buy something and, and live up there. And eventually, I did it in the in the '90s. So, yeah. starting in '97, I uh, was living up there full time, working remotely, getting, getting starting to get involved in real estate stuff in the in the about 2006 era. Starting yeah. to get involved in real estate. Got on board right before the first top. Yeah. <laughs> it's good timing. <laughs> you got you to gotta be playing for the long ball. Yeah. You know, you make you, it through that. You know you're you, you can't let those little wiggles, you know, yeah. affect your psyche. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Do you so love living a, there? Is it everything you expect? Love good. Well, the, uh, the best part of it is I made, met my wife there. Yeah. Oh, uh, there you go. And so uh, Paula and uh, Paula's great. She, uh, she has four kids on her own. I have two kids on my own. Everybody's grown off the payroll. Um, but Paula uh, basically never lived uh, uh, anywhere other than Western Massachusetts, small town, Great Barrington, Massachusetts. And, but she uh, came down here. We rented in Sea Pines for like okay. three or four uh, winters. And uh, uh, her daughter was married to a Marine fighter pilot. So they were at Buford Air Station. Mm -hmm. So we'd come down for babysitting uh, assignments and we'd go visit various places, communities, check it out. And uh, she saw Belfair up the road here. And uh, she said, if we ever get a chance to move away from the Berkshires of Western Massachusetts, this is it. This is the place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good place to do it. So. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I will say she should be the poster ad for, you know, these communities because, like, you know, you know, there was home, and then there was this. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Before we get into that, who's your sports teams, being from New York? Well, yeah. So, like, uh, growing up, avid Yankee fan. Yankee, okay. Avid Yankee fan. That's kind of what but I'm then thinking. when the kids were born, they were little, and Shea Stadium, now City Field, was mm -hmm. closer to Long Island. So, got into the whole Mets thing. Um, you know, quite frankly, I've kind of lost a lot of – passion for it as cable tv has you know warped the uh the compensation schedule i mean mm. how can the average joe take a couple of kids to a ballpark for less than 500 bucks today oh I mean, yeah it's yeah. just it's especially some of these new parks i mean you can't, yeah yeah i'll take him to see a team that's not good like the orioles yeah yeah <laughs> right yeah shameless yeah. plug to my hometown there you go <laughs> so uh yeah and then you know New York is always uh, frustrating, um, you know, football, um, the Giants, you know, always think they're good. They're not. <laughs> and they won two Super Bowls on two lucky plays. Uh, and the Jets is just, you know, painful yeah. you know, frustration. 
Um, basketball, I, I played competitively basketball. Okay. Um, in high school, one of my teammates ended up on the Knicks. Oh, Tom, wow. Tom Riker was All-American at South Carolina. I wanted him to go to Boston College where Bob Cousy was coach. Mm-hmm. Um, but Tommy, uh, he showed up on the Knicks, though, unfortunately, when there were these two guys by the name of DeBusher and Bradley around, mm-hmm. and they just ran circles around him. So yeah. uh, and he had some tragic stuff happen. So, um, And then the other guy uh, was a pretty well-known college coach by the name of uh, Rick Pitino. Mm-hmm. So those are two teammates. In Rick Pitino was your teammate? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Some would know that name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't yeah. know you were a basketball player. That's cool, too. Yeah. Ah. Well, back in the day when they let little guys walk around a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I found out Glenn Hanley played ball and cut through college, I think, the other Did day. He? I was just chatting with him and wow. found that out. So, yeah. Yeah, learning a lot. And he went to college on Long Island, CW Post. Mm-hmm. Yep. Learn new things story. every day. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, so, you know, life is a very circuitous thing. And I would say sometimes uh, the best decisions in life are how you react to other people's decisions. Mm-hmm. So you're in a situation, business relationship not working out, you know, you, you, you change it, mm-hmm. you know. It's on you. So don't expect somebody else to fix it. That has served uh, served me well. So, how long you probably have said? It, how long have you been down here now? Like full little time? over a year. A little over a year. Okay. Yep, little over a year. Hey, you like it? I mean, just uh, love it. Living this lifestyle love every it. day. And, love yeah. it. Um, you know, wife Paula loves it, and uh, you know, her family has all visited, gone through the list now, and everybody's come down to make sh- to see where you know their mother was whisked away to. So, because mm-hmm. uh, you know. She still has three of her four children and eight of uh, ten grandchildren still living in that Western Mass area. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So she's all in. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, she's going back and forth on the plane for graduations and things like that. So we won't we won't feel too too much sympathy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> she's got it going. Yeah. California, Massachusetts. You know. Yeah. Could be worse. Yeah. Just, could be a lot worse. <laughs> just yeah. Yeah. Just uh, just an airplane uh, away. So, uh, yeah, you know. Got a favorite restaurant here? Uh, <laughs> well, you know, COVID kind of, you know, we, we moved kind of in the middle, well, you know, yeah. the second half of COVID kind of speak. And, and uh, so things were limited. But we like casual stuff in, in Old Town. We like the Pearl. Mm-hmm. Um, Pearl's very good. We like Mulberry Street Cafe, I think, up the road here. I think that's the name of it. Uh, the Italian place? Yeah. Oh, I've never been. I've seen it yeah. a lot. Yeah, right, in, right near Bed Bath & Beyond. Right and there, yep. Whole, yep, yep. And it's um, over on the island. Uh, Nunzio's was a favorite when we were over there, renting in Sea Pines. Uh, Charles, Charlie de Toile, I think is another mm-hmm. one there. Uh, yep. Crane Steakhouse, so, yeah. Have yeah. you been to the, um, God, I can't think of the name of it, the Italian place in Old Town? It's like right next to... Um, Pretty new, but it's right next to oh, yeah. the Tumor Seafood place. It's uh, what's the name of Greco. Yes, we went. It was pretty good. That guy. That guy's got a great story. Does he? Well, he owned a, another restaurant. It happened to be in New York City, mm. and much to his wife's dismay, um, he kind of like wanted to come down to this area, so 
he sold the restaurant like in December of 2019 in New York City. Four months later, when COVID started, the restaurant's value was probably down by 70 to 80%. Oh, wow. Perfect time. Yeah. yeah. That's Someone the, dodged a bullet. Wow. And then yeah. opened this place, probably this during place. COVID, right? When prices were probably better, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, with a lot so, of places yeah. not being open. I think his name is Nino. Nino or Dino? Dino. Hmm. Dino. I have to look him up. It's yeah. really good, though. Good food. We didn't even get a table. They were so busy. We didn't have a reservation. We just yeah. sat at the bar, but it was really good. Yeah. In high season, they say you kind of like got to be almost two weeks out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's Unless anywhere around here. Nine. Anywhere around here. Yeah. Busy place. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the 2010 census um, I looked at and population in Bluffton was less than 10,000 people. Mm-hmm. 2020 census, over 35,000 people. Yeah. That's just bluffed. Yeah. I notice it driving to work every day. <laughs> yeah. You can definitely tell because you've been here since. About 10 years, 11 years. Yeah, I've been here since 2012. So we were here kind of when maybe remember, it was a little more when, than 10, but it wasn't much more than 10, maybe Remember 12, when the Sam's 13. Club wasn't there? Yeah. The Walmart wasn't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It was just trees. Yeah, they, they tell us that people had to do grocery shopping over on the island. There were no supermarkets along 278. There wasn't much. Piggly Wiggly. Or Bilo or whatever Bilo it was. there, they closed. Now that's uh, Planet Fitness. Mm-hmm. Publix and Kroger were still there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not the new Kroger, the old Kroger. The one next Belfair. to Belfair. Yeah, yeah, that was there. And then they built the Kroger on the island. That's only been there for seven yeah. years yeah. or something. That new Kroger in Bluffton is yeah, yeah, it's not crazy. Yeah. So how's real estate here? I know yeah. a lot of people say there's differences here and nuances and Stuff that's different than yeah. other areas, well, or what do you think so far? The market here is very impressive. Um, I've done uh, some transactions with clients that bought uh, through me up in uh, Massachusetts, uh, and there's another one kind of in the early stages as well. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of like feeding my old network into the mm-hmm. new network, so that's kind of uh, fun and, and different. Yeah, I'm amazed by uh, the numbers going on here. Um, very interesting to watch. I mean, one of the things I say to my colleagues back up in Massachusetts versus here is that, you know, here, like, there's been a lot of new development uh, over the past 20, 25 years, where in the Northeast, things after the, the, the dot-com boom and then the Great Recession, 2008, there haven't been a lot of new construction. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little concerned about the prices that are being paid for much older housing stock in, in the north. Uh, whereas down here, you know, yeah, I mean, you have to keep up uh, buildings and everything. But, um, yeah, down here, I think the consumer has a wider range of newer product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Which is wild to hear because, you know, we're still – somewhat probably limited on new because there's only so much land right. you know Hilton Head's only so big and Bluffton it's starting to grow out there yeah. but, but to, to even hear that's at least good yep. to know they're doing a good yep. job of keeping yep. up and keeping pace yep. so there's a lot of attractions here you know taxes are lower uh, electricity costs less mm-hmm. um, yeah so there's a lot of people I mean I 2500 uh, media report 2500 
people are leaving New York State every day. Every day. To go to Florida. Move oh, to Florida. Wow. Changing their residence. 2,500 people a day. It makes York. sense. Yeah, New York State's a big state. You think that's still a heavy portion that's just retiring, or a lot of that's remote work, just getting out of, and yeah. hey, we can work from anywhere, let's go to Florida. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I guess a mixture. Yep. But the remote work thing, because, uh, you know, um, you know, like Massachusetts, very active there, and it's convenient. You can still drive back to Grandma in Boston or, or New York, whereas, you know, you're a 1,000 miles away here. You're not getting back to Grandma so easily. Mm-hmm. But um, the remote work thing, uh, it'll be very interesting to see how that pans out. I, I'm kind of calling it a three-year window because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people that have moved into areas, more rural areas, Tennessee, whatever it is, you know, they're going to say, all right, yeah, I'm remote working, but the schools aren't at the standard that I was used to in metro area, particularly private schools, Mm -hmm. and rural areas have very limited capacity for private schools, and um, yeah, I'm remote working, but you know, winter still is arrives in these areas and you know i could be remote working elsewhere and paying a lot less taxes and not freezing so you know maybe i should look south Mm -hmm. uh, things like that so i give it kind of within a three-year time horizon where we're going to see whether this cultural shift is going to unwind Mm -hmm. yeah be interested to see how it plays out for sure yeah because things, uh, you know, things change. And, but uh, right now, I mean, the last time we, uh, you know, had uh, a, a big shift in housing, you know, most people still had landlines. Now they don't have landlines, yeah. right? That one little thing. Yeah. Uh, most people didn't have higher speed cable, mm-hmm. let alone fiber. Yeah. Now you have it. So, you know, kind of the, the menu board has really broadened and gives, uh, gives, people, gives people options. You know? So, yeah. What do you think of the weather so far here? Awesome. Yeah? That was a short answer. It's a warm day today, but <laughs> Connor wants me to elaborate, elaborate on answers. You get so many people with so many different <laughs> opinions of our weather. But, um. Yeah. I, I told my wife I'm, I'm a new adaptee to um, – Warmer weather, it's like, uh, yeah, you know, take it on for eight, ten weeks or whatever. In in return, you get rewarded with, you know, beautiful weather for the other nine months. Yeah. Humidity is not so bad once you get used to it. Yeah. So I used to tell clients, I'm like, got to give it a year. Yeah. They'd, be, they'd call, man, it is so hot. You know, they'd move in in July or something. I'm like, just give it a year. And then after a year, you kind of become accustomed, and then you're like, oh, I get – Beautiful weather almost all year round. Still get four seasons. It's yeah. just a little warmer in the winter than most places. Yeah. Um, but you still get winter time. I mean, if you can handle 95 here, you can go handle anyway. 95 anywhere. Yeah. I mean, 95 st- anywhere is nothing. Yeah. Dry yeah. heat especially. It's nothing. Yeah. yeah. So we still go back to the Berkshires of Western Massachusetts. And uh, we'll be there July and August, a couple of summer months. So it's kind of. How does it get up summer. there in the summer? Like, is it uh, hot, hot too? You or? can get hot days, but, you know, in the evenings it'll be. You'll, you'll have, I always said about the Northeast, you have like two hard winter weeks when it's bitter cold, you 
just nasty. And then you'll have two for them for North uh, climate where it's like, yeah, it's warm and it's you. Yeah. Like we would use air conditioning maybe two weeks out of the year. Now, now it's maybe, now it's maybe three weeks. Yeah. With the weather patterns changing. Still, so less than a month. Less than a month. AC. AC, yeah. And that's just the peak hot time. And then you, once once you get past that, then once it's you get kind past of like that, yeah. I bet the nights are. Nights are nice. Yeah. You know, 45, 55 degree nights. Oh, wow. Up yeah. in the mountains. So you get summer weather, but still having fires and stuff. Yeah. 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 Campfires, yeah. 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 Interesting. Yep. So, yeah, it's, it's great, though, to have, uh, you know, the world is. In a lot of ways, uh, you know, has become more spread out, but there's still a lot of, uh, you know, great connections that, that uh, we've had uh, several small world episodes, as I call them, living down here in one year. Um, ran into an owner in uh, Belfair I was showing, actually, for my partners, uh, Dan and Debbie Lohman. Uh, they were out of town and asked me to show a client of theirs, uh, a property over in uh, Hampton Hall, and they uh, they told me to pick up this gentleman at uh, one of the cottages at Belfair. Well, I went in there, introduced myself, and after we got through the you know obligatory introductions, turns out we both came from the same town on the North Shore of Long Island. And then the owner of the cottage, he came out of the bedroom and he said, "You're Tom Doyle of Babel," and I said, "Yeah, I'm Tom Doyle of Babel." And he said, you're Tom Doyle of Ed Doyle? I said, well, Ed Doyle's my older, older brother. You know, he still lives there. And uh, he said, no, I'm not talking about Ed Doyle, your brother. I'm talking about Ed Doyle, your father. I said, well, my father's long past, actually retired to Ireland. He said, um, both of us guys, the bedroom guy that came out, the owner of the cottage, the guy visiting California, they both worked for my dad <laughs> at a grocery store growing up. <laughs> Insane. That's a small world. That's insane. And it happens a lot here. Yeah. So, and then another uh, episode, small world, um, Colleen Jacks Jack, uh, sold a Belfair property to some people, and, and uh, they were looking at an off-market listing that I had, um, and they ended up going with the other, other property. And I never knew the names or anything. And then I saw the new member list, and the people's name was familiar to me, without saying their name. And um, I looked at my phone, and I said, yeah. I said, people with that name rented my guest cottage in western Massachusetts. You know, I had two properties, and uh, one was a guest cottage. And they rented that property for me over 20 years ago. And it's the same name. And I looked up, same area code. Yep, they're from Long Beach, Long Island. And I called them up, and they said, yeah. I said, they said, well, why are you calling us after 20 years? I said, well, my wife and I want to be one of the first people to welcome you to Belfair. They said, you're kidding. You guys live here also? <laughs> That's wild. And then the last short, the trifecta was yesterday. So the trifecta yesterday was um, we had a tea time uh, for 11.20. And the people... Um, are going on a trip and they had to get COVID boosters or whatever. So they, they, they blew off. 
So it was just going to be my wife and I, and I didn't really want to be stuck in between foursomes. So I looked up on the, uh, on the T-sheet, and there was a, uh, an opening to be paired with a couple, and the couple's was Stan Smith and his wife, Margie Smith, of Smith Stern's Tennis Academy mm-hmm. on the island. Well, it turns out that uh, uh, Margie, his wife, and I go way back because when I was a young teenager myself, working at a country club in Long Island, Margie's family were members there, and she was an aspiring tennis player, and I was the guy handing out the refreshments to the kids in at the at the uh, grass courts of this club on the North Shore of Long Island, and Stan Smith, who went on to be a U.S. Open uh, champion, he uh, he was courting Margie at the time, and I think actually my mother, who was a waitress there, and I, I think we we worked at their wedding, oh wow, at their wedding reception, 1974. <laughs> what did they make? I'm sure you told them all that, right? Or oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, no, I, br- I brought wild. a little piping rock club pencil. Oh, uh, okay. That was my credential. Yeah, you know, because she didn't recognize the bald head from, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when you were <laughs> nearly <laughs> 50 years ago. <laughs> That's wild. That's wild. We all we all aged. Stan aged. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so, uh, but it was great. Those are three amazing stories in a year. But I guess, you know, so many people grow up in certain areas and they love vacationing here. And then a lot of those people move here and it just, you know, I think I heard, overheard Jim on the phone the other day and he, he got an inquiry on something online and just picked up the phone and called him. And uh-huh. I heard him having a great conversation. I was like, that sounded like it went well. And he goes, yeah, I spoke with the wife and come find out like her husband went to school with Jim, like high school and stuff. And they had, like, worked together and all that stuff. But it was just a random inquiry. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so I think the common denominator uh, of those stories is just networking. It just emphasizes the importance of networking. Yeah. So, you know, some of these were, like, involuntary. But it's like, okay, it's reigniting mm-hmm. people that you knew in a totally different role. And, yeah in life and you know you like to see people in general and you really like to see people that have you know carried on for for all these years so mm-hmm. it was exciting yeah that's good stories though for sure yeah you got any crazy stories funny stories from yeah. over your years in business or well we always talk about that well speaking of golf i i brought one for you because you guys probably would, would challenge me not to believe it so in 2012, I had uh, open, open heart surgery, and uh, I went under the knife during the first round of the Masters, and there were some complications, and I didn't wake up until the uh, third round of the Masters on Saturday during some time during, you know, I was hallucinating from the post-surgical drugs. So they, once they get you conscious, they try to get you in a chair, after open heart surgery. And uh, you might remember that was the year that Bubba Watson made that miracle shot Mm. in the playoff around the tree. And uh, so on Sunday, I was still kind of in and out of it. And I blurted out that I had just dreamt this amazing golf shot. And my wife said, no, you didn't dream a shot. Bubba Watson just won the Masters. He, He had this miracle, amazing shot. So fast forward six months, five months. Uh, the Masters in April, right? So seven months. Seven months later, 
uh, we're in Scottsdale, Arizona, and we're out there as guests to friends, and we're at this uh, golf course called Greyhawk, and there's a lot of pros that play out of there. And sure enough, we're sitting down having dinner after a round, and and I couldn't see clearly at the beginning, but at, right after the Masters that year, Bubba and his wife adopted a baby. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Bubba, you know, he's got a lot of goofy things in his you know, he's got to be, he's got to have his back against the wall when he sits down. So he was sitting over there, and they're waiting for their food. We're waiting for our food, and the baby's fussing. So he gets up to walk the baby around. Well, there's no room because Bubba's got his table up against the wall. So he comes and he walks around our table. So the first time, it's like, oh, my God, that's Bubba Watson. So I said to my wife, I said, if he walks around again, i got to say something. So he walks around a second time. So I figured I had 30-second elevator speech right? Go. So I jumped up. Bubba, congratulations on winning the Masters. Hell of, hell of a shot. Uh, but I have an interesting story for you about that shot. It got caught up in, in my post-surgical hallucinations. And he's like, do I need to call for security? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I gave him like the quick speech, how it was like under the knife, first round. <clears throat> Back to consciousness, third round, and he said, great story. How about a photo? There's the photo. Old Bubba. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Here's the photo. <laughs> Send that to me, and I'll put it on the uh-huh. Put it on the screen. Couldn't, couldn't have been nicer. Yeah, couldn't have been, here he's a nice guy. Yeah, couldn't, yeah. couldn't have been nice. You say, I got to put the baby down. Baby can't be in the photo, but you and I, let's go. That's Quick cool. photo. Well, your story worked because yeah. <laughs> at least if you took a picture with it, you know, it was a good 30-second elevator speech. It's all about <laughs> networking and, like you say, realtors have to tell stories. Yeah. You got, I mean, they have, you know, instructive stories, mm-hmm. not makeup stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah for, sure. for sure. He's the reason I started playing golf. Bubba Watson? Mm-hmm. Why, I mean, what do you mean? Why is that? Just because he was lefty? Well, yeah, when he won the Masters and then he had never had a lesson. And I was like, I could do this. Uh-huh. So you've never had a lesson? Well, I've had lessons since, but when you started, you didn't. When I started, I started grinding. So you didn't even start really playing until after that. No, I literally started playing like maybe a month after he won. Oh wow! Yeah. Yep. Connor's pretty good too. Another another life changing thing. You saw something and you that'd be a good thirty second elevator speech to him. You (laughs) you reacted. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And now you love it. Do you have any other golf questions for Tom? (laughs) He's the golfer, not me. So. How's Belfair? Belfair's good. Uh, the um, two courses, uh, East and West, Fazio designed. Belfair started uh, about what, 27 years ago now. So uh, the West course is over 20 years old, and it's shut down as of yesterday until mid-October, doing a huge infrastructure and some redesign, moving some bunkers, things like that. But it's all the all the bolts and guts and pumps and irrigation system so yeah so that's that's all good so it's going to be a busy summer on the east course and you know we'll get some reciprocals around different places any tournaments coming up um no tournament season kind of um gets a little less active this time of year in those communities because a lot of people go away for the summer no, no, i meant like usga tournaments oh usga tournaments well the uh the pga is next this coming weekend which PGA? PGA Golf Championship. Like the PGA Championship. Yeah. Is it Belfair? 
No, no. Oh, at Belfair. Yes. Well, they host they hosted the PGA Club Pro Championship three years ago. Yeah. yeah. Didn't they have they had the U.S. Junior or the U.S. Am like a couple years ago too? Yeah. Wasn't it? I I don't know. It wasn't. It wasn't here. One of our amateur players from Western Massachusetts was in. Uh, they had a Belfair amateur tournament. They started in two thousand, and actually, I was one of the sponsors. In a, investor group for uh, young Jim Salonetti and uh, uh, when I walked into the clubhouse I saw this poster for the inaugural event and his signature was up there I said oh that's where my money went went help support <laughs> yeah. little road trip South Carolina but they had Ricky Fowler played there Jay Haas ah. played in that tournament Camilo Villegas played there uh, in, in the Belfair amateur so yeah Good track. It's a beautiful course. Yeah. Course is. Yep. You probably weren't here for when was what's the, the golf club in Ridgeland? Congaree? Congaree? You probably weren't yeah, here I for was that. Here. I was oh, did yep. you go? I went last year. Oh, okay. Yep. You went too. So yep. I, yep. I figured you might have gone if you were here. So. Yep. Uh, amazing job they did out there. Yeah, that was hot that weekend. It was very hot. <laughs> <laughs> when was it? In summer? June. I, I don't remember, oh, but yeah. it was in Ridgeland with no wind. It was very hot. <laughs> it was like unpleasantly. It's hot. a little different than playing on the water here, where you got the yeah. breezes blowing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it was toasty. It's very sandy too, so you get all the reflection. Yeah. 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 It was beaten down pretty good, but it was good. They did a nice job. Very impressive. That whole that whole scene out there. So, Belfair, what's, what's y'all's favorite part besides, I mean, I know golf, obviously, but uh, for anybody that doesn't know, tell us maybe a little bit more about Belfair. What, what well, interesting. Golf? I had a conversation this weekend with a fellow member. Uh, he was asking me from a real real estate perspective, why, why do people, you think, choose Belfair? Mm-hmm. And I said, one, people are, you know, nice people. You know, it's just like everybody's kind of done something in life and they, they ended up here somehow, some way. And, you know, they're all in semi-retirement or retirement mode. And, you know, they just, they just want to be having a good time. And, but I think the other thing that is about Belfair, it's just so environmentally beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you mentioned the water and the marshes and that ride in is amazing. And, uh, yeah. A lot of wedding photos get taken there for which they pay for pretty well to the club to shut down the avenue to the Oaks for uh, for that. But uh, yeah, it's just environmentally beautiful, beautiful place. And, and uh, you know, they, they've got uh, a, brand, a couple years ago, two, three years ago now, added on substantially to a sports complex, mm-hmm. uh, adding pickleball courts, which is the rage now. How many do they have? Uh, they only have two now, so they're adding. Probably adding more. Adding more. <laughs> yeah. Got to add more. Yeah. I mean, Palmetto, it's blown up. Palmetto Dunes has like two dozen or something like that. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, I think Moss Creek's adding them uh, at some point. Yes. It's yes. listed in the packet, yes. but yeah, yeah, I don't know when that's going to yeah. take place. But so yeah. it, it's just a beautiful place, and, uh, you know, the grounds are kept very well, and, uh you know, it's 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 just a good good operation. They redid the social club, all that stuff, right? Uh, uh, the clubhouse—they've done a number of 
renovations, additions. Like there. where the pool and everything is. Oh, yeah, that's the sports complex. Sports yeah. complex, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I remember I went over there before it was done. Yeah. And they showed me all the renderings of what yeah. it would look like. And yeah. it looked pretty, pretty nice. So. It's very nice. But I guess for people that don't play golf, it's yeah. nice to have those as well. And, you know, we, we, we live in one of the houses that's just a short walk from the pool. So for my wife, it's like bonus time. It's mm-hmm. like, yep, don't have to get in the car and somebody else takes care of it. They've got pool squad yep yep yeah, we don't have to worry worry about it so it's very very nice yeah well i'm interested um and i know my t- in my years of selling too um you know you get the question a lot of uh belfair being one of them but the big three i'd say especially in bluffton area for the really upscale golf communities are belfair colleton river and berkeley hall yep um and we always have a lot of customers that are very intrigued by them because they are so beautiful. Um, uh, you know, the POA, HOA fees, whichever one you want to call it, uh, is a big topic because they are obviously higher price than other areas, but you get a lot in return for that, especially if you are a golfer or somebody that desires that luxury-type lifestyle. Um, but I'd love to hear your perspective of kind of all three communities, maybe comparing them. Um and maybe kind of your opinion on, you know, the POAs, the initiation fee, some of the stuff that's starting to change a little bit too and just kind of get you, pick yeah. your brain and your thoughts, especially since you live in there. So. Yeah, well, uh, going a little further back, because uh, I've been coming here, as I said before, uh, my wife's daughter and son-in-law, they were in the uh, Buford Air Station, so we've been visiting the area basically for the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, started renting in Sea Pines back but um you know these communities um they really had some tough years in the post great financial recession because you know all of a sudden golf was trending down golf participation numbers were off and then this thing came along uh, called uh, air uh, airbnb uh, vrbo uh vacationrentals.com and um, it took us a while to sell our house up in western Massachusetts during those years because who needed to buy a second home when you know you could rent it for weeks weekend months whatever you want you know let somebody else carry the mortgage let somebody else do the maintenance year year round so I mean I remember coming down to Belfair specifically and working with an agent then before I was licensed here in South Carolina. And we could see, in Belfair, we could see 20, 25 homes easily on the market at any one time. So uh, COVID pandemic changed uh, everything. And in the last uh, uh, two years, I think over 35% of the homes changed hands. So that's over 200 homes out of 600. And now 50 are being built or in architectural review design, and they're on their way to approximately 700 at, uh, at the end there. So and I think the same was true at Berkeley and, and uh, you know, Colleton, Colleton River. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so it's, uh, it's been quite a, yeah. a flip. Yeah, in a short period like, of time. Too. For example, in, uh, in Belfair... Um, 
a year ago, through the first four months, a year ago, 2021, as of April, the median sales price was uh, 7.43, and this year, through April, it's a million three. Hmm. So up 76 percent. Yeah, it's pretty good. That's that's pretty good. And uh, 18 homes sold this year, 24 last year, kind of keeping in sync with less inventory, you know, being on the market. And as of April, there were five homes available in Belfair, 11 in Colleton River, and six in Berkeley Hall. So um, less inventory, you know, prices are up. And, uh, you know, people... People say, well, you know, just sit back because there'll be another 2008-like unwind. And I say no, high probability of no to that for a couple of reasons. One is, unlike 2008, there's a lot of cash coming into these transactions where 2008 was highly leveraged. Um, As I mentioned before, 2008, most people didn't have the kind of uh, technology for remote working. Um, Still mostly had landlines, you know. And uh, the pandemic has now broken the employee, uh, employer-employee logistical relationship. So, um, you know, the, the rules are being reworked there. Technology is the best it's ever been. And it's all happening at the sweet spot of when baby boomers are entering the bulge of retirement. Mm -hmm. And they're retiring with the biggest balance sheets ever in the history of of the country. So, you know, I don't see anything like a 2008 uh, scenario happening that much cash, a big part of the population getting into the prime retirement years with the resources mm-hmm. that they have. Yeah. The one thing I did notice over there is um, a lot of, all three of them really, have throughout the time since COVID hit have kind of been, we have what we call transfer fees here or initiation fees, which is basically a one-time fee Right. for the transfer of property to enter into as a new homeowner in that community. Majority of those are paid by the purchaser. Uh, some of them, Moss Creek being one, there's different ways. Where maybe it's paid by the seller, but all that could also be negotiable. But uh, but we've seen all these increase at a rapid rate. I think, you know, Bell Fairs after July is going up to $70,000, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Indy Dalt's on any of that? If you have no comment, that's fine too. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's a big topic of discussion because for people that just a little more than a year ago, the initiation fee was twenty to thirty, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, it was then forty before it was just announced that starting July it's going to seventy. Berkeley Hall, I understand, is going to sixty-five in August. And Colleton River, we were chatting before we got on air about, uh, uh, we haven't seen the official update, but uh, it's probably... It's officially 60. Officially but I mean, 60, but it'll probably go up. Yeah. 
So from the management side of the coin, um, you know, these communities have a lot of physical plant. And there's engineering studies that are done, and they advise that you basically have to have reserves as these buildings depreciate because the maintenance will just keep on ramping up, ramping up, ramping up. So, so I get it. I mean, part of me as a realtor salesperson would say, look, you know, we still have some empty lots, you know, unsold lots that are owned by the POA. Can't we get those sold and then, you know, inch it up a little bit, get those sold? But like, uh, as John mentioned earlier, depending on what the market is, it'll either get negotiated between the parties. Uh, if the market flattens out, the POA could all, always decide to march it down, adjust it down. So it uh, it creates a real stir. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Within, within the community, but it's like, you know, and as somebody pointed out to me, if somebody's got a balance sheet that can support building uh, a $2 million house, um, you know, an extra 30000 may not be a, uh, a, an issue. So, you know. And if others are doing it and they love to be in a nice community such as that, right. and it seems like it hasn't. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, it down with so the, I guess uh, also, you know, these communities, they have various, you know, very experienced management companies, and they're looking at the same demographics. And the demographics, as I said before, are, f you know, we are really, so the baby boomer generation, I think, goes from like 19, uh, middle 50s up to... Uh, uh, no, no, baby boomer generation, I'm sorry, went from like 19, post-war, World War II, so roughly 1946, mm -hmm. war ended in 45, 46 to 64. So, so somebody, uh, you know, born in, uh, um, uh, during that time, so the people that are uh, born at the end of that, 64, um, you know, they're, they're what? There's, there's 60, almost 60, right? Mm -hmm. Right? 64, 60 be 2024. So they're 58. Mm -hmm. So take whatever year you want going back, and you can see what segment of the baby boom population has yet to retire. Yeah. So I think the next, you know, and it all then you got depends and the whole new population of America, whatever way that's going to go. But I think it's going to take another 12 to 15 years at least to see the baby boomers aging out, mm -hmm. you know, and passing on or whatever yeah, yeah. God's will is. And uh, so, you know. But that yes. probably helps in, with these communities, I would assume, because like we were talking earlier, you yeah. know, you mentioned a while back with maybe golf declining and some of that. Right. You know, that's a pretty big problem for Places that specialize in golf and have the top of the line amenities were, for golf. Uh, they, they, I won't use the S word, but they were gasping wind for <laughs> a lot of time. Yeah. And I remember hearing rumbles about shortening courses and, you know, completely changing the game yep. to make it a 13 hole course. And some do, I think Carlton, don't they have a six hole par three, you know, executive course, yeah. Stuff like that mm -hmm. to kind of help get out there, practice pretty quickly and yep. knock that out in, a, in an hour or so. Yep. But, 
Uh, no, I mean, do you feel good in terms of I think you know, say the next ten years with the demand I still think, being very high I for think those? There's good momentum, energy looking forward. Here. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, very good. And the social clubs only help. You know, most Moss Creek's doing theirs now, remodeling right. the clubhouse. What Belfair's done. Yeah, College and River. I was in there a few yep. months back. They had yeah. kind of remodeled. It's just, I mean, it's just simple. I mean, I, I said to my wife Paula, I said, if we don't do it now, which was last year after being in Sea Pines renting, I said, we're going to be too old to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, it's we na- go now or don't go. Yeah. So, yeah, and I think that's what we're seeing, mm-hmm. which is I think a good decision in yeah. part because it hasn't stopped. So. Right. Yep. Yeah, well, up 70-some-odd percent. I don't think we're quite up that much, but, you know. Yeah. It's up there. Um, do you have any – I know we can't promise any, any predictions on the market where you think we're headed or um, – Well, it's, it's hard to say. You know, the media plateau, talks a lot about interest rates. But I'm with you. You know, it's a lot more cash deals. And a lot more cash deals. You know, less of the financing so situation. Interest rates will, will – will impede marginal buyers uh, that maybe shouldn't be in the market. And um, uh, it, it is a real hardship for first home, mm-hmm. first home time buy- buyers. So, um, yeah, I, I don't see interest rates. I mean, listen, uh, you guys are quite a bit younger, but, you know, it was back in, in the 80s, late 70s when, you know, Mortgage rates were sixteen percent mm-hmm. or more, you know. But you got a toaster, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or <a> TV. <laughs> uh, CD rates were seventeen percent. You know, it was different different time. But um, yeah, I, I I don't see uh, mortgage. I don't see interest rates really being the issue that you know you might read in mm-hmm. you know media news. Yeah. Especially, I mean, I just think the demand's too high here. Well, uh, for exa- okay, so uh, one of the major networks ran a story Sunday morning. My wife and I were home, 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 acti- home, uh, home sale activity leveling off. So I happened to be speaking with one of my colleagues up in Massachusetts yesterday, and I said, well, how's the, week- how's the weekend been up there? And she said, well, we listed this house over in uh, uh, Richmond, Mass, and uh, we had 16 showings. So then I said, well... I'll ask the next question. This this might get it. I said, how many were in person? It's like, are people just like walking Based around with it. their phones? She said, well, 15 out of 16 were in person. Oh, wow. And she said, the one that was not in person, they're coming back today. They're coming up today to see the house. So if you go on the ground and you get the facts, you know, don't, don't yeah. pay much attention to what you hear. Yeah, from, from the uh, especially from a national news because there, there could be some markets that are slowing. Yeah, who knows? Right, right, right. But it's all local. Yeah, I, I'm like yeah. I'm with you. I don't necessarily feel it. Yeah, so much here. So. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, uh, one of our colleagues had uh, one walk in earlier today, and as he was leaving, he said they want to buy, but there's nothing to show them. So, mm-hmm. you know, but, uh, so you either move your price point up, or you have to go out and move your radius out. Back to where, yeah, there's something for everybody. So I wouldn't get too uh, discouraged about the lack of inventory. It's, again, that's why you have an agent that's experienced and can help guide you. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. 
Or help find something, you know. Help it's, find something. Like you were saying, biggest thing in real estate is connections. Yep. And you start yep. making connections with other realtors or other homeowners, and who right. knows what will pop up, you know. Yep. So. Yeah, I'm doing a little uh, private email uh, network, and so within my community, keeping people up on anything that's uh, hitting the MLS and, you know, coming soon mm-hmm. uh, situations. And, and people love it. I mean, people, you know, can't get enough of the, the data sheets oh, yeah. and things like that. So, yeah. so if um, anybody's interested in receiving data sheets, get in touch. <laughs> know with who me. to reach out to. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll provide them. Yep. Yep. You got anything? Got any crazy stories? Oh, crazy stories. I don't know. You know, from what era of life? I mean, I don't know. You mean worked a lot, estate. like real estate stories. Oh, real so estate. like he had somebody fall through a roof, you know, uh, dog attack somebody. Yeah, you know, I haven't had uh, God willing, I haven't had anything, uh, you know, terribly drastic. Uh, some weird things happen just because people don't communicate or, you know, write things down and and things like that. And, you know, show up at a house and somebody's, you know, not not appropriately dressed or whatever. <laughs> that one comes up a lot. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, and, um, but, uh, yeah, I just think that, uh, uh, st- I'm trying to think now, uh, I've, uh, well, I've just recently had something up in Massachusetts where there were, you know, three, three buyers all over asking all cash. And, um, basically the agent for one of the buyers actually turned the uh, attorney for the buyer um, and called me. I was on a golf course and basically asked me a question I couldn't answer because I wouldn't be allowed to answer it ethically and said, what number do we need to get to to buy this property? I said, can't answer that question. You need to make your offer as clean as possible and you need to come up with the number. And they eventually got the got the property because they went... Whew. They really put some energy into their offer, so uh, yeah, so different, uh, different stuff like that. But uh, yeah, there's there's all sorts of crazy stuff that goes yeah. on. But <laughs> I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure in, in all businesses you've seen a lot of stuff. But it's uh, it's always funny to hear some stories because it's much different than people imagine. Well, so. I think you know we're in this era now, and um, people look at real estate agents and real estate agencies and say, well, you know, you guys make money easily. It's like, uh, no, I think if you followed us around, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a lot of different years, you know, it really was tough in the post 2008 years. I mean, that was over 12 years of, of drag. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number one. Oh, well, why are you getting paid a commission when it's so easy to sell houses now? And I said, all right, good question. Really, the difference for the transaction now is how the agent handles these situations where logistically just getting everybody in to see a property, whether it's in person or virtual, that has to be managed. And on top of that, then you get multiple offers. And I really swear on this, you earn your keep and your seller is rewarded by how that process gets handled. And it can be the difference of tens 
of tens and tens of thousands of dollars. In this house in Massachusetts, you know, 475 ended up at 605. Probably the house probably should have settled out fairly in the mid fives. So in my view, the seller got an extra 50 grand or so because of how that was handled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think we, you know, if people understand it and the process, then, uh, and let the agent do the job that they're skilled to do, then uh, you will be happy you paid what you paid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in, and it's kind of, you know, opposite thinking, in my opinion, because everybody assumes, oh, in this market, I don't need one, or I can do it myself, or this and that. When in reality, when, when you look at the stats, I mean, more people are listing and selling with realtors than ever before, for one, but then two, like you said, I mean, when you know how to handle it, when you know how to handle the offers, kind of right. just make sure you're managing that correctly compared to an owner who doesn't. Uh, my parents are in that boat. You know, they're talking about moving down here to be closer to the grandbaby. And um, and they've done some transactions in the past where they've just sold it themselves because they lived in small towns mm-hmm. and, you know, such and such wants to buy it. And, and I said, well, that's probably fine in those type markets when you did it. But in this market, <laughs> you know, it seems like, yeah, you probably could sell it. But it's almost like I feel you're doing yourself a disservice. Yeah, you know what I mean? No, because I'm selling it to the first person that comes in at the number, or the only person, and it, right, and it doesn't get exposed and get exposed, marketed. You're probably gonna have to do more work on the property right. to get it, you know, up to the, you know, and yeah. then it's like, but you're in the biggest seller's market in history, and if you don't take advantage of that, then you don't uh, get the benefits of Connor's photography skills. Exactly. Right. 3D tour. Everything. Little, little plug there. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. I'll, I'll take the twenty <laughs> later. <laughs> Well, this yeah. was great. You got anything else? It's all for me. Yeah. It was a blast. Thank yeah, you, thank you guys, for, uh, for coming on. And uh, appreciate it. Yeah. Look forward to doing it again and yep. seeing you check in another year. Yeah, seeing you continue to do well. And um, if there's everything, anything we can do for you, let us know. But okay. we appreciate it. Love being part of Dunes Real Estate and the Loman team. There you go. <laughs> Thanks for watching. <laughs>